on this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Hiker and Layman, presented by Riverwind Casino. We give you some things to watch for and preview OUTCU with Brian Estridge. We also preview some of the big games in week five of college football, and we give you our winners and losers of the week. Please download and subscribe to the podcast, rate it five stars, and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right. Our man, Michael Hostie, will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Wednesday, September 28th, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Hiker and Layman, presented by Riverwind Casino. Riverwind is Oklahoma City's premier casino experience, and there are so many reasons why Riverwind is consistently voted OKC's number one casino, but it all starts with their amazing variety of gaming thrills and excitement. Riverwind's beautiful, award-winning environment plays host to more than 2,800 of the latest electronic games with a huge selection of table games, including Blackjack, Blackjack Match Roulette, and Teddy's favorite, Craps. No matter what your game, Riverwind has it in spades and hearts. And to learn more about their gaming promotions and entertainment options in the month of September, visit Riverwind.com. Riverwind Casino, simply the best. Now recording this Wednesday afternoon, please leave us a five-star review and a nice comment. Also, if you want to sponsor the podcast, you can email the Oklahoma breakdown at gmail.com. Ted, how we doing, man? Fantastic. Fantastic. Week is going well so far. I feel like at least what I've heard, the energy level with the team is good. We're in bounce back mode. The vibes, the vibes are high. There's no doubt. So before we dive into what to watch for on Saturday, anything you had the coaches show with BV on Monday, anything that Venable said that kind of stood out to you? Honestly, not really. He I, seems I, really pissed off. <laughs> yeah, I, I, he is. And he's got reason to be. I mean, we talked about it. We watched that, that film. That team is, the team is not the same team that we've, we've witnessed all year. It, which this is weird to say, but that makes me feel good about it. That so much was bad and so much went wrong. And we still had a chance to win that game. Like if we had played well and lost, like that's a different story, right? Whenever you give it your best effort and can't win. Right? So I, I think that's kind of where he's at right now. And, um, but, yeah, he's angry, and they're they're turning up the intensity. And I, I think that the what sounds at least good right now is the team is kind of feeling the same way, right? And it, it seems like they are all uh, kind of hurting over that one and ready to bounce back in a big way. So, one of the I think 
I think it's a good thing that they're going on the road this week. Mm-hmm. Right? Because it has nothing to do with OU's fans. Right? Uh, home field. Like, there's a reason OU's won so many games there. Like, yeah, yeah, I'm not. This is nothing about the fans or anything like that. But there's something about going on the road, right? And it's going to be sold out in Fort Worth. Like, going on the road, and it's just you. Like, it's just you guys. Right. And it, it almost forces you to be you to, to come closer together and to have that, hey, it's us versus the world mentality, which I feel like is good for this team right now. Yeah. No, I, I agree. And you know, just kind of to feed into that a little bit different, like they're bussing down, you know, they're taking the buses down uh this week to Fort Worth, taking the buses down next week to Dallas. You know, it it's kind of it's kind of old school sitting on the bus, riding down, um, you know, it's, 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 I don't know. It's a little bit different than flying. It's, it's kind of tighter knit. Like it's a little more like you kind of scan the aisles, talk to some guys. It's not like you're partying or anything, but you know, you get on a plane and there's, there's staff and there's, you know, administration and there's, you know, it's just loaded full of all kinds of people. Whenever you get on the buses though, it's offense, it's defense. Um, you know, a handful of coaches will maybe be on those buses. They may be on their own, but it's got a little bit different feeling to it, which I think helps as well. Yeah. It's all about, you know, you, you go through the adversity that they went through against Kansas state and you, you can't, you can't start pointing fingers. You can't splinter, right? You got to get even tighter and come closer together. So, uh, yeah, I think it's a good thing that they're going on the road and, you know, as well as I do, like sometimes that's the perfect thing after you lose a game. Like, Hey, let's go, let's go beat someone else on their own field. Like it, it remind, remind ourselves how good we are. So I think, I think that works out well for the Sooners. All right. OU's defense, TCU's offense. What are you watching for Ted? What, what challenges does TCU's offense bring? Well, I, I think this group of skill position guys is, outstanding like as a group i think it's the best we've faced now deuce vaughn is uh, is the best back we know we know how good he is and but whenever you put everything together their wide receiver group is savion williams quentin johnston uh darius davis like those those three guys are about as good as you're going to face all season um they got two really good running backs and demarcado and um uh and miller both those guys are good miller's like 230 pounds demarcado's a little bit of a change up i i kind of i like the liking those two guys to marcus major and eric gray they, you know they kind of remind me of, of that 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 type of dynamic between the two of them uh except that, you know um miller gets more carries for them the bigger back 33 um max duggan's been fantastic really efficient with the football dangerous in the running game both in pulling the ball down and running it himself like uh in called runs or in pass plays where you know he just scrambles and makes something happen it's been fantastic number one quarterback in the country quarterback rating right now high 70s completion percentage uh super super efficient the offense it's interesting now we all know that um Lincoln Riley's brother is there and it looks a lot like Lincoln Riley's offense at times. There's a bunch of the same things. You know, you'll see split backs. 
you'll see uh, a lot of the the same type of passing concepts. You know, there's some interesting uh, similarities there. Uh, you know, there's a couple of things that I think are are really interesting that they do. And I saw this a little bit from Nebraska out of a, a little different spin on it, but they do a split zone with the tight end in a traditional tight end position, and he still comes all the way across the formation. It is the weirdest thing I've ever seen. I, just whenever you draw it up or look at it, there's no way someone should be able to run that on you. It's almost like a slap in the face that one guy on the very end of the line of scrimmage comes all the way across. But, you know, that makes it really hard because as like linebackers and safeties, when you have a tight end that's off the ball, he is now he's considered to be in the backfield and you key him or he's at least in part of your keys. When he's on the line of scrimmage, he is out of it, right? He is not in your keys. So whenever he comes across the football from the line of scrimmage, that can make that play a little bit more difficult. And as you know, the last game, some of those split zones and pullers coming across the formation screwed up our, our run fit. So that's something to look at. Um, they'll get to boot a bunch of different ways. Uh, they'll do, they'll run. I've never seen this before. They'll run boot off of the fake little touch pass to Quentin Johnston. Number one, you know, huge wide receiver coming across, gets everyone's attention. You fake the little touch pass and then run traditional like split zone boot off of that. Kind of an interesting little little thing that they do there. Ton of inside zone. Uh, they'll do it out of 12 personnel as well. They'll run the split backs. Like I said, the old Lincoln Riley where you have two tailbacks, run split zone, run split lead, run a bunch like boot. They'll have all of that built off of it. So they throw quite a bit at you. Yeah, the... You know, the one thing when I'm watching the opposing offense, I always watch the offensive line, right? And the one thing that stands out to me, there's no doubt they are, they're better coached this year. They've got, they've got better technique in the run game. They're bringing their hips better. They're straining more. Like I can tell that they're better coached along the offensive line. However, I'm just going to be straight up. I still don't think they're very good along the offensive line. And how many years in a row have I said that about TCU's O-line? They gave up five sacks against SMU. They gave up a lot more pressures. And if Duggan wasn't so mobile, there's probably eight or nine sacks in that game. I, I think just from what I've seen from them, that they struggle with pressure. Games, they struggle games, with games. They struggle passing everything off and communicating all of those things. If only Oklahoma had a mad scientist that's like that's his entire thing defensively. I could really see BV cranking up the pressure in this game, but you got to be careful, right? With all that talent at the skill positions, right? How much, how much cover one, how much man do you want to play? when you got guys, you know, like Darius Davis and Tay Barber and then the monsters outside and Williams and Johnson, like how much man coverage do you want to play? Yeah. That it's a fine line. Right. But it's clear to me, the offensive line's better coached, but they are, they can get a little confused in pass protection and how to pick all of that stuff up. So I'm interested to see how much pressure, especially in internal pressure, with games along the defensive line, 
with kind of some crossfire blitzes, stuff like that. I'm interested to see how much OU, how much of that stuff OU dials up. I would expect a very similar game plan to what we saw against Nebraska, right? With the the three man front, um, you know, a bunch of different pressures from different angles, a bunch of different coverages thrown in there. Uh, you know, I would expect with these big wide receivers and the speed that we play a lot of big zone, that we play it like mix some of those exotic pressures with, um, you know, showing the pressures and then you get into the drop eight to try and confuse Duggan a little bit. Um, I think there'll be some spice on the game plan this week for sure. Yeah. Um, I'm in full agreement. Anything else? OU's defense, TCU's offense? Um, no, no. I think that's about it. Zone read. Um, they'll run some end over stuff. Um, they'll run, a, they'll run some RPO crap with the lineman way downfield from time to time, which you're going to get a, pretty much every week. There's a couple of clips in the SMU game. The guy's like eight yards yeah. down the field, blocking an inside backer. And I watched it. I was like, Oh my gosh, Teddy's going to be so pissed. <laughs> it's so dumb, man. It's, it, you know, we could talk about this every week, but you can't, you shouldn't be able to be past the line of scrimmage on a passing play. If you're not an eligible receiver, it should be like, that's it. Like within reason, I'm not saying you can't like, like you can go a little bit over the line, obviously, but you can't, you shouldn't be able to have Lyman three, which three is the rule now, right? You shouldn't be able to even be three yards down the field. They should just make it the NFL rule, right? Yeah. You get one yard because you're double teaming and like, maybe you're getting some movement on the down guy and that's. Right. I kind of agree with you on it because some of these clips, like, cause they can't call it every time. So you push the boundaries, right. As an offense with some of this RPO stuff. I mean, there's just, um, and every team that does it is guilty of it. There's just so where guys are both inside backers are engaged and like getting blocked. And they're also trying to play the slant in behind it. It's yeah, just stupid. It's ridiculous. Stupid. Yep. But yeah, I, I think it's a, I think it's an efficient group. I, I like some of the stuff they do in the run game. I like their like the skill players are really good. So I, I think it's going to be a tough test. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you, but as long as I, I expect Oklahoma's or Oklahoma's defensive line to control the football game. Yeah, I do. It, I, it will be worrisome for me if they don't, and it'll be worrisome for me. You got to be good on early downs, right? That was the big issue against Kansas state. They were on schedule all game long make Duggan play in third and six plus a lot yeah I, I know he's playing the best ball of his career but his offensive line has showed they're not great at protecting in those situations so get him in those situations I think we'll get back to a, a, a high number of the TFLs and sacks in this game I think that's going to be back at least I hope I will I will be disappointed if it's not all right, OU's offense and TCU's defense. This is the most vanilla version of the 335 on planet Earth that Joe Gillespie has implemented. Remember, it comes from Tulsa. He's now the new defense coordinator there at TCU. And I'm just going to be straight up. I think OU can have a massive day throwing the football on TCU. And there's one main reason why. TCU cannot rush the passer. 
They've got five sacks in three games. And I've watched every snap they've played defensively. And there's maybe two clips where I go, oh, nice move. Like they are bull. You try like try to bull you straight into the backfield. They just don't have a lot of tools as pass rushers. Now the ends, 98, 95. I, I think they're physically gifted players, but man, they just do not, they don't get pressure on the quarterback. And with what we've seen from Dylan Gabriel up to this point, if he's got time and he's comfortable, man, he's going to do some damage. So I, if Oklahoma's offensive line plays the way that they need to play in this game, man, I, I just don't see with the way that OU's wide receivers are playing right now, I just don't see them not having a big, big day in the passing game. Yeah, I, I agree. I'll tell you the one thing I worry about, though, because whenever you watch, like, the way to beat their their defense in the passing game, because there is a ton of rush three, drop eight, a ton of it. Oh, my gosh. It. It's so it's, boring. Yeah, it's what they major in. Dylan Gabriel has had a tendency in those looks to get out of the pocket way too quickly. And whenever you do that, yeah, it's good to get out of the pocket and move laterally and move the zone and move your players into flood one side um, of that zone with you. But it also makes like you're going to come under pressure quicker, right? Whenever you escape, you're, there's, there's going to be avenues for those guys to spin out and come chase you laterally. He needs to be calm and patient and trust it and stand in the pocket and just step up if, if someone's coming around the edge, not pull it down and take off running to the outside. I'm with you. I hear you on that. But l- looking at that battle at the line of scrimmage, I, I do think w- when you watch TCU's defensive line, they do a very good job of straining at the point of attack, right? Hands right in the chest, it just really hunkering down. But they do not do a good job of like disengaging off of blocks. It's almost like they're more worried about knocking the hell out of the offensive lineman in front of them than they are about finding the football and making plays, which is okay. But I, I just don't see them like shocking and then shedding and making plays. I see them just trying to knock the hell out of people and, and kind of getting buried in those blocks. And, and this is this is a little in the weeds, but I think oh, you can make some money on the backside of some of the zone running game. And, and we've seen them do that. A lot of that stuff designed to cut back with how they blocked it. 98 and 95, when they're on the backside of zone concepts, when they feel zone away, they try to knock the hell out of the guard and play heavy into the guard. And it really kind of gets them washed in my mind if if the the backside guard and tackle for OU can get movement on that guy as he's trying to play heavy into that guard you can create a lot of space in that cutback lane and just a couple more feet of space allows Eric Gray and Marcus Major to be one-on-one with that free player right that free hitter but if you make more space then it makes it that much tougher for him to come down, fill in the run, and make that tackle with all that space he's got to cover. So I know that's probably a little too detailed, 
but I, I could see that being something that OU can attack in this game. Yeah, no, I agree. I like that. Um, I think you can make some, some nice plays attacking the overhang player, which if you remember back to the Nebraska game in that first series when Nebraska had the football, where they were just creasing us in the running game is just like right off the edge. And there's like nobody just cutting home. him back almost. Yeah. And it's the same thing because the overhang player is deep. He's a quarter uh, field safety. So he's, he's a deep safety and he's also responsible for that edge in the run game. But if you attack it like right away, he has to come from depth to, to make that play one-on-one and it could be really difficult. And, They've had some trouble with that on the back end. So, and I like, I don't know how much we'll see of it, but SMU ran some counter and some one back power and, you know, they didn't break anything huge, but I think there's, there's some yards to be made with, with that part of our running game as well. That's because those guys, like on those, and I know exactly what you're talking about. Those counters, those powers, like the defensive linemen for TCU, it's like, they just, bury themselves in the block. They don't try to cross your face, play over the top. Like they don't try. It's like, they almost don't want to go make plays. It's bizarre. Now they're very physical and they're physically gifted as well. That nose, man. He's, he's pretty good. 51. I, okay. So it's 52, right? 52. Maybe that's right. 52. The big guy. True freshman. Yeah. I, and he's a big dude. Six, two, three, 20. He's big, 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 but you got me messed up <laughs> if you think I'm not going out there and burying a true freshman that's playing in the interior. So, Matarier, Rain, Murray, they got to take that personally. Like, you go out there, and I know the kid's big, like he is, but you got to say, really? You're going to throw a true freshman out against us? You know, you got all that experience there in that interior? They need to punish that young man. I mean, straight up. And now he's a load. Don't get me wrong, but they need to, he needs to have his welcome to college football game in this game. That's, I, I mean, I'm, that's how I'm going to put it. Yep. Yeah. It, it is interesting though. You're right. Like in the, in the gap stuff and even in the pass rush, the three man pass rush, it's almost like they're, they're just putting three concrete blocks out there that you're saying like, here's where we're setting up our, our pawns or whatever. And you're not going to be able, like, we're just, we're going to do everything around it on the back end. These guys just aren't going to move. They're going to stay in these exact spots. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. One, a couple other things that stand out to me in the back end of their defense. I do think they view the back end as the strength of the team. And I know when you saw this, it probably made you happy. They actually do a really nice job of creating space for each other on the back end when it comes to all the crossers, all the pick plays, excuse me, rub routes, Mm -hmm. all that stuff. They do a really nice job of staying on different levels and they don't pick each other off. So when you see stuff like that, then it becomes, Hey, OU's wide receivers, right? Mims, uh, Farouk, who I think is starting to play really fast. Like at that point, you're running those deep overs. You're running those crossers. You just got to win with speed, man. Yep. You got to outrun them because they do. They they are very well coached in those route combinations to not pick themselves off, and they have good awareness on it. Yeah, yeah. They're. I think they're. 
I think they're pretty good in the zone stuff. Um, I think their backers, their backers kind of spot drop at times, so you can find some good windows in behind them. They're not really reading the route scheme. They're just kind of dropping back to a landmark. Um, but one thing, you know, whenever they do bring pressure, they run man-to-man behind it. And I, I don't know if this is just like, I, it, it can't, surely it can't be a design, but they are so late on their pressures. It's, they're totally ineffective. It, it looks like, some it's like the ball snap and someone from the sideline is screaming, Hey blitz. Yeah. That's how slow that's like how delayed it is. I, it, it's some of the worst blitzing I've ever seen in college football. It's It's bizarre. So all you're doing is you're not putting pressure on the quarterback and you're making the DBs in the back cover man to man and you're getting nothing out of it. Uh, Especially the guy over the slot. He is always so late and you know, as a defensive coach, you got to look at it and say, just go line up on the edge. The guy that's covering your man that you keep acting like you're covering is like six yards off of him, staring him in the chest. It's blatantly man to man. And you're not, you're blitzing. Like everyone already knows it. No reason to be late, but that's how they do it. We should, I think whenever they blitz, Mims is going to have one-on-one. And I feel really good that we're going to have, time to get the ball off Mims may have a huge day if if they haven't fixed that problem that they've got yeah it's it's weird to watch and just honestly they have a lot of trouble getting lined up it looks like like the communication there it it always seems like they're in a mad scramble no matter if the other team's using tempo or not so with with how fast Oklahoma's offense wants to go would not be surprised if TCU is looking at the sideline with their hands in the air, a couple of snaps going, what, what's the call? What are we doing? But I'll see. Uh, I mean, we'll see a couple more things. I think that I think Travis Hodges Tomlinson is a guy that's played a lot of good football for them the last couple of years. He looks hurt to me. You got to attack him. But a bunch of pass interference calls in the SMU game. He is not running well right now. He is not flipping his hips well, like there's something wrong with him physically. And so I think I think you attack him. You got to attack number one. And then people prepare yourselves because OU has done a lot of that zone game where Braden Willis is uncertain on a linebacker. There are going to be some collisions between Braden Willis and number six, Jamoy Hodge. And it is going to be fun to watch. I, I'm probably going to cringe every time, like, oh, here it comes. But Hodge will come downhill. He he does not have great recognition. I I I have dubbed him great value brand Kenneth Murray, <laughs> which I think is spot on. But there's one thing he he does well. When guys are inserting in the zone running game or guys are pulling for him in gap schemes, he knocks the absolute shit out of people so just prepare yourself there are going to be some big collisions between nine and six now as an offensive coordinator whenever i see that what the first thing i want to do is i'm going to set the i'm going to set the tempo right i'm telling Braden willis 
we're running it, right? You're, you're running right at number six. Go blow him up, right? And then here it comes. You hope you're, you get a good shot, at least a stalemate, right? But because especially if you can win the first one, because the best way to play it from that point on is that pop pass, right? You're, you're coming at him and you just whiff him, swim him, and it's a completion over the top. It's, it's kind of janky, you know, it, it, football wise. It's like trying to use someone's aggression against them, but it'll slow him down on some of that stuff. Whenever he starts to think it may be the pot pass every time you run it, like that's a good way to attack it. I will say that I think that there's a lot of money to be made on the, uh, the outside bubble plays blocking in the slot with our tight ends. They do not seem to fit those very good and their corners on the far outside are pretty soft and they don't seem to react to it quickly some weird things about this defense i mean just some weird things all right let's get to call your shot we asked you guys for your boldest prediction for ou tcu uh this first one comes from austin Brissett. he's got the blue check mark on uh twitter look at look at austin go nice said the defense regroups and comes away with five sacks while keeping Quentin Johnson under 60 yards receiving. Yeah, I think it's possible. You know, he hasn't had a, a go-off game yet. Um, his go-off game last year did happen to be against Oklahoma. Uh, but, yeah, I think there's a chance for that. I think, um, like I said, I would expect a similar scheme to what we saw against Nebraska. and. I, I feel like our guys are comfortable in that. That's, that's the best game that they've played so far. So, yeah, I think there's, there's a good chance to put a lot of pressure on the quarterback. Yeah. This next one comes from Bill Oldman Jr., who says, OU defense bounces back and holds TCU to 17 points or less. That'd be good. Now, good. I'm- yeah, I'm you not hold saying, that group to 17. That'd be great. Yeah, and I'm not saying it can't be done. Um, you know, as good as Duggan's playing, and with that group of skill position players, um, if you if you if you can hold them to under three touchdowns, that's gonna be it's gonna be a really good day. They're gonna put some points up on some folks this year. Yeah. All right, let's get to birthday shoutouts. Happy third birthday to Robert Jackson. Happy ninth birthday to Lila Garrison. Happy 13th birthday to Jax Garrison. Happy 13th birthday to Lucas Rungi. Rungi? Rungi. I'm going Rungi. Yeah, that's right. Lucas Rungi. Happy 14th birthday to Ezra Barron. Happy 15th birthday to Faith Winzel. Happy 16th birthday to Reed Myers. Happy 21st birthday to Henrietta Tootie Sleep. Yeah, that one was a confusing email or a confusing DM. I was like, all right, I'm just going to type what it says. Okay. Happy 30th birthday to William Stern. Happy 34th birthday to Connor and Chandler. Happy 40th birthday to Leslie Blaze. Happy 67th birthday to downtown Judy Brown. Happy 74th birthday to Woody Woodson. And happy birthday to Terry Gray. 
and happy 40th anniversary to Randy and Renee Cochran. Awesome. It's a lot of years, man. Mm. All right, let's preview some of the best games in college football in week five. But first, the only place to stop when you're road tripping is Love's Travel Stops. Love's has over 600 locations in 41 states, offering 24-hour access to clean and safe places. Whatever your road trip needs are, Love's has it. Fuel, fresh food, all the snacks and drinks, including, yes, my favorite, Java Amore. That coffee is fantastic. Love's also has you covered if you forget your phone charger or headphones. They've expanded their mobile-to-go zone, so you can grab any of that stuff there. Make sure you download the Love's Connect app for exclusive offers from today's most popular brands. The Love's Connect app also includes a route planner and store locator. When you see that red neon heart on the highway, stop in and say hi at Love's Travel Stops. For a full list of what Love's has to offer, visit loves.com. Opolis Clothing is the exclusive home for all of our Oklahoma Breakdown merchandise. If you want to live your life in buttery soft comfort, go to opolisclothing.com. That's O-P-O-L-I-S clothing.com and use promo code TED, T-E-D, for 10% off your entire order. You still get a discount on all the OU and OKC Thunder gear as well. That's opolisclothing.com. Use promo code TED for 10% off. Buttery soft and 10% off. And make sure you send your kids to Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School. Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School has a long tradition of educational excellence. With a 12-to-1 student-to-teacher ratio, no student is overlooked. Bishop McGinnis' college prep curriculum offers 22 AP courses. There are numerous clubs and organizations for students to join. And as a proud member of the OSSAA, there are 14 sports offered. If you want to provide the best possible educational and spiritual development for your children, contact Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School or visit bmchs.org. Remember, financial aid is available, and I lied to you people. We've got Brian Estridge, the voice of the Horned Frogs. Little more info on OUTCU. Here's Brian Estridge. It is our pleasure to be joined by the voice of the TCU Horned Frogs. He's also one of the most entertaining men in all of radio. Brian Estridge is in the house. What's going on, man? It must be a slow day in Oklahoma, boys. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, fortunately for me, much like you guys, my day started at Brahms with two bacon, egg, and cheese biscuits. Ooh. I'm ready to go. Well, ready. hey, I'll tell you, there's never a slow day in Oklahoma after an Oklahoma loss. Uh, <laughs> I can imagine. That. I can imagine. <laughs> I now I want to I want to get to the team clearly, but one thing that you know has always stood out to me going to TCU is the atmosphere and sometimes it's been kind of hot and cold, right? Yeah. Sometimes it's great. Sometimes it's not, but they announced a sellout for this game, Brian. I mean, is it going to be about as wild of an atmosphere as we've seen in Fort Worth in a long time? Yeah. I think we were all kind of praying for a two thirty or maybe even that seven o'clock kick. And I thought it was really going to be everyone lathered up at that point, but uh, yeah, I, I, it's still going to be a, a, a neat atmosphere. It is sold out. You know, they did some things this year, too, to try to eliminate foreign inter- intrusion in the stadium, as they like to say, you know, uh, trying to keep it all as uh, T- TCU fans there as best they can. And, and I think it's helped, I'll be honest with you. I mean, you look at what the numbers look like as far as projecting out for crowds for the rest of the year, uh, and the numbers have been are, are looking pretty solid. So you're right, it's kind of hot and cold sometimes in Fort Worth. There's so many other things going on in this great city. But uh, when the Frogs are winning, 
they tend to turn out. And when an opponent like Oklahoma comes to town, they'll tend to turn out as well. And so I think folks have this one circled on Saturday morning. This time last year, who would have thought that it would be Sonny Dykes versus Brent <laughs> Venables, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's crazy. We've gone through, obviously, an era change here. What's it been like down there with the new head coach? Guys, it's been phenomenal. I'm just going to be honest with you. Obviously, the start doesn't uh, doesn't hurt at three and zero on the year, but just the attitude, the atmosphere, uh, the uh, it, it, folks are having fun, you know. And, and and this team has fully bought in to what Coach Tykes and his staff have brought to Fort Worth, and I, I think that goes a, a long way into how they're playing on the field as well. They're playing uh, with an intensity and a passion, and they're smiling when they're playing. You know, we talked this week about Max Duggan. You know, what's the difference between Max of the previous three years versus now when he has to come in as a backup, and you guys have seen how efficient he's been uh, in these couple of games. The difference is simple. Uh, Max is having fun. You know, he's not worried about making a mistake and getting his butt chewed out or, you know, anything like that. He he knows that he can go out there and play Max Duggan style football. And hey, if, if it works great, if you if you make a mistake, you know, all of our pencils have erasers. You know, let's let's take that one off. Let's go back and, and go at it again. So, uh, yeah, it's it's been a real uh, breath of fresh air in Fort Worth. And I think kind of what you guys are experiencing there in, in Oklahoma, sometimes it's fun to change. You know, you, you get new attitudes, you get new ideas, you get new approaches. Uh, and, you know, we had kind of been doing it the same way for the last two decades. And to be able to now uh, bring in this influx of new ideas, I think it's, it's, it's brought new life to the program. You, you mentioned Max Duggan, you know, having more fun. And that, that is, I mean, that's a huge part of, of the whole experience as a college athlete, right? But what are, what are the biggest differences you've seen from him on the field? Right. When, when it comes to his performance, Brian. Yeah. I, I think there are a couple of things and, and, and Gabe, I think you and I talked about this last year, Teddy, it may have been on with you with one of the things that Mac Max is a, is a, is a coach's son. And so he's worried about the perfect play. And because of that, he would hold on to the football too long sometimes. Uh, and, and, you know, and then he, then his only option is to run uh, or, you know, that, that ended up at times also being his first option because he thought, yeah, I'm not going to force that in there. I'm going to take off here. Uh, and that's kind of gone away. Max is getting rid of the football quicker. He's getting rid of it on time. He's not throwing it out of bounds. He's not getting, you know, he's not missing on the deep ball as much. I thought the touchdown to Savion Williams in the first half, and I don't know if you you guys saw any of the game against SMU. I thought the touchdown to Savion Williams was a perfect example of Max Duggan today versus years past. Gets flushed out of the pocket, rolls to his right. Max Duggan of the last three years tucks that and runs. You know, he, he he's racing to the corner of the end zone you, to you try mean to get there. He doesn't throw a nice little floater in there beautifully exactly. with the best touch I've ever seen on a football. <laughs> that, yeah, exactly. And that, that was the difference. And we talked about that at the time. We like looked at each other like, wait a minute, was that a touch pass for Max Doug? I mean, did he just kind of <laughs> uh, uh and so to me, that was a perfect example of the difference in Max this year versus you know what we've seen in the past. Give credit to Sonny, but I tell you what, guys, uh, and I don't want this name to get anybody upset with me, uh, the last name anyway, but give credit to Garrett Riley. Uh, who's the quarterback coach here, you know, Lincoln's younger brother. Garrett has done a terrific job with these guys on just the little things, just the, just the fundamentals of quarterbacking, and that's made a big difference. Man, I, I look at this group, and you guys have always had uh, 
just a, an outstanding lineup lineup of skill position guys. And this year's is is crazy. And I didn't know a whole lot about Miller or DeMarcado coming in. And then the wide receivers are just huge. You've got some big guys on the outside. You've got, you know, your inside slot guys that work around the football and third down. I mean, it's yet again, an outstanding group of skill position players. Yeah. And we were joking with Max Teddy, you're like this, and you know, when you got a guy like Darius Davis, you know, uh, who you uh, sprint across the formation and Max makes the four inch pass and it goes for 80 yards. That's the guy you want on your team, right? He pads your numbers pretty good, but you got Darius and guys like that, Gunnar Henderson in the slot, you know, Gunnar catches about 78% of the balls thrown his way. Uh, and that's in practice and that's in game. That's a pretty good number. Uh, you know, it, it, so you got those guys in the slot that are sure-handed and can create after the catch. But then you mentioned you got Quentin Johnston and you got Savion Williams. And you got you got big guys on the edge that can go up uh, and get it. And then Tay Barber, who can kind of do it all for you, uh, you know, at wide receiver. Yeah, that's got to be the strength of, of this offense. Now, what's interesting is, and you guys knew this better than I did because of his history and, and, and the bloodline. Garrett Riley wants to run the football, you know, and uh, he, wants, he wants to establish that. And he did it early on against SMU uh, with Kendra Miller, DiMicardo late. You know, they were worried, guys, that the one thing they didn't have in the running back room was that fourth quarterback. You know, Oklahoma's always had a guy that could just pound a rock in the fourth quarter. You know, you're up 14 or whatever. you got to close it out. You need a seven-minute drive. Dee McCardo slowly becoming that guy and then shows you a burst on the 63-yard sprint that, that none of us recognize. Might have because his mama was in town from Inglewood, California. She had a chance to see him. But, uh, you know, those are things we haven't seen out of Amari Dee McCardo. So now all of a sudden you got a room that can play any game you name. Uh, and, and I think that helps with this offense with that running game. So the, the thing that I have felt has held TCU's offense back these last couple of years is the offensive line. Yeah. When you look at that group, are you seeing a lot of improvement along the offensive line? Do you think they're playing at a higher level? Like what have you seen up to this point from the big boys big up front? Difference. Yeah, Gabe, I'll tell you the big difference is coaching. Uh, and, and I'm not calling out anybody. I'm just telling you how Yes, good you are. What do you mean? Okay, maybe I am. Uh, but uh, A.J. Ricker, the O-line coach uh, now for T.C., played at Missouri, was in the NFL for a little while. He's been around the block, spent some time uh, in Stillwater. This is a guy who is a technician. He's a tactician, but he's a technician. Uh, when it comes to coaching the offensive line. And these guys were hungry for that, okay? They had not really had that the last couple of years, and I think that's made a difference. Steve Avila is a guy that we thought could be really, really good. You know, here's a guy with great feet. You know, he's strong, he's fast, he's smart, but he never got over the hump. And and I think that has been – well, I think it's, it, that's happening. It's a work in progress right now, but A.J. Ricker's been a, a key part of that. I think it's uh, it has a lot to do with it. I think having Alan Ali, the transfer from SMU, comes over with 40 starts under his belt at center now. You know, that moves uh, Avila to guard, which is his natural position. I think that makes a big difference. you got two huge tackles that are athletic. This is a group that wants to be good. They're smart. They're athletic. They wanted to be better than they were. And I think now that they've got a little bit of coaching from A.J. Ricker, I think they're, I think they're proving they can be that. You, you mentioned uh, Max Duggan coming in as, as a backup uh, after Chandler Morris got banged up. So what's that dynamic been like? I mean, 
he's leading the country in quarterback rating right now. So it's not like he, they're going to put him on the bench, but how has that whole situation played out? And uh, you know, you, you guys are going to think that I'm, I'm, I'm just giving you coach speak or TCU speak here, but I'm, I'm not, I, I am shocked at how good it's going, how, how, how easy the transition has been, how these guys get along. I mean, you and I both know, I mean, the, the, the egos of today, the transfer portal, the NI, all that comes into play. It's become a me generation. These two cats generally are working to help the other guy. You know, they're spending time doing that. Chandler, I noticed uh, uh, Saturday, was in, he was in straight clothes in his jersey. He's meeting Duggan as he comes off the field. You know, Max was the same way early on in the season at, at Colorado uh, with Chandler. So, I mean, it has been – it could not be better. I don't know if you guys saw uh, – Sonny got a little emotional uh, post-game. Saw that. Uh, after, the, after the game against, against SMU when somebody asked him about Max. And it was not a question about football. And, and, it, and the emotion was not about football. I mean, it was just about the kind of guy that he was, how he handled the situation. And then he says to me, the ultimate compliment, he said, Max Duggan is what you want your boy, your, your boy to grow up to be. You know, that tells you something right there. And so I think they could not have handled it any better than they have. And I, I think for that for that reason, it's really helped kind of build the culture here that it takes in a first year, you know, with a, with a new staff. I think when those two guys bought in, I think that went a long way with the rest of the team. No doubt. Okay, defensively, right? Joe Gillespie comes in from Tulsa, brings that three three five system, which is a big wholesale change yeah. from what Ga Gary Patterson was doing at TCU for forever. What are your thoughts so far on Joe Gillespie? I love him. He's just a guy. He's just a guy. You know, he's from Stephenville, Texas. He was a great high school coach, won a, won a state championship. He's about all the right things. His daddy was a coach at Tarleton for years, you know, just labored away. I think he's still in the kinesiology department down there. I mean, this is a man's man. That's what Joe Gillespie is. Here's the thing about it, too. You know, what he did with this 3-3-5 is he took a defense that has you, – you, you, and Teddy will speak to this. I mean, it, it's shown a lot of promise over the years. We've seen teams in the Big 12 go to this to try to – slow teams like like Iowa State or like uh, Oklahoma down in the in years past but he's modified it it's you know you got the Rocky Long 335 uh you know out of New Mexico which takes a lot of chances brings guys from everywhere and sometimes candidly isn't always sound you know I think Joe Gillespie's 33 stack is is maybe the most sound 335 uh that we've seen it, I mean, it's it, the it, most it, boring I've ever seen it is Brian. totally the most it's boring. So boring to it watch is so boring but it's so good you know <laughs> the uh it's like that it's like that really no I'm not gonna say that uh, anyway the uh it, it's one of those that uh I think it's a uh, you know I I think there's some reasons why uh he does it that are really football savvy you know what I'm saying? They're not they're not risky yet. He can take risks. It, it is uh, it's just a sound defense, and these guys are bought into it. Here's the other thing, guys. It's simple. Uh, you, you talk about it's boring. It's simple, and I don't mean that in a negative way. They talk about the fact that it's simple. You you know the previous regime they wanted the perfect play call on defense, so guys were getting it in as the snap was being called. They were they were they played plays, if you will. These guys, you know, they play their defense, and so the calls are a lot quicker. Players can react a lot easier. I, I think that's been good for this team. How's You know, I asked about the quarterback dynamic. What's the dynamic been like switching from what is kind of a defensively 
run program from the top down to, I, you know, I can't say that it's off offensively. I mean, obviously there's that influence there, but yeah. what's, what's that whole situation played out like? Well, uh, it, the biggest thing was it changed who was on the number one bus. You know how that is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Get that offense know? on the number one bus. Exactly. Sure, come offense on now. Back on the number one bus now, you know, for, for 20 years, defense has been on the number one bus, man. But uh, you know, I think that it, 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 it it's interesting in that, the way Sonny runs the organization, and I love it, and people use that term as the CEO coach, and it becomes a negative. And it's not because he's he's involved. He's in the film room. You know, he's heavily involved in the offense, but he's also, you know, he, he sits in with Joe and kind of gets a feel for, you know, how do you attack things. The reason he hired Joe is because Joe's defense gave him the most trouble uh, offensively. That's why he went out and got him. So, but I, I think there's as even as it can be, Teddy, uh, you know, I'm not saying it's perfect, but I mean, you, it, we went from an extreme where it, the, the two were all the time to where now they kind of work in unison together uh, for the greater good. That's interesting. Uh, okay. Through these first couple of games uh, on the defensive side, who, who's really stood out to you, right? Who, who have been the difference makers for them defensively? Yeah, there's a couple of guys that uh, that stand out for me. Josh Newton's a, a defensive back who's got a couple of picks, so I think you're going to really like how he reacts. He's physical, man. Yeah. I like I like him. I yeah, and he's a good player. I don't know if Trey Hodges Tomlinson is banged up or something, but 24 is the guy that jumps off the tape to yep. me. No question. And, and Trey is a little bit banged up. He was in a boot for most of fall camp, still not, you know, just didn't get the reps. And you guys know how that is. No matter how good you are at corner, you got to get the reps, you get the timing and the eyes and the hands and everything down. And he, he's just not, he, he's pretty close now. I think we'll see him be better this week. Uh, but that, that's what he's been battling. Johnny Hodges at linebacker and Jamoy Hodge, those two guys have been, have been really good. I, I knew D Winters was going to have another good year. Uh, D's gotten bigger. He's gotten faster. Uh, I, I think he's more comfortable in this position that he's playing right now. But Jamoy Hodge and Johnny Hodges, you know, they're not related. They're spelled differently, Teddy. Uh, they're, uh, the, uh, they've both been really good uh, here early on. So I think that's good. And then big Dom Williams at, at nose tackle. This is a, he just turned 18 on September 4th, fellas. Some big Whoa. dude from California who's been a really good nose tackle. So if you had to highlight a couple, I'd say those would be the ones to stand out. You've seen a lot of good football teams there, you know, uh, geez, over the years, some really, really good football teams. It's hard to tell kind of through the, the first three games exactly where this one stacks up, but what's your gut tell you about this team? And, you know, I'm not saying like right now, there's a difference between right now and how good they're going to be this year. Right. So what, what, what do you think the ceiling is with this group? I, I think there is a high ceiling. I think you're right. though. I don't think anybody in the league knows anything yet. Uh, you know, I, I know everybody wants to talk about Kansas. Fine. We can talk about Kansas, but they haven't played anybody. Let's face it. I mean, uh, you know, I'm not ready to put them. I'm not ready to anoint them as a top 25 team yet. But I think you just look around the league and it's still so early that what do we know yet? You know, what do we know about Kansas State? You guys saw I mean, They lose to Tulane at home and then beat Oklahoma on the road. So uh, what do we know about West Virginia? You know, uh, West Virginia has looked bad at times. They beat Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech gets bounded by Old Dominion. So I think there's so many questions uh, that still need to be answered. I think the ceiling's really high for TCU. I think if you have a roster with this much speed on it, I think that gives you a really uh, – that gives you a, a terrific upside. I think you got that going for you. I think so far they've stayed healthy. Uh, you know, they, they have a whole new nutrition and recovery plan. 
that's been effective, it looks like, if they can continue to do that. They're building some depth with some young players. And, uh, you know, Sonny did a great job with signing, a, I think, what was rated with the third best recruiting class in the Big 12, and then did a nice job just kind of picking and choosing in the portal. Uh, you know, they kind of they deal in high school recruits and fill in portal guys. And so, uh, you know, I think there's, um, I, I think there's a, a good upside here. I think Saturday we find out, though. I'll be honest with you, fellas. Uh, this, this is the test. Let's see, see what TCU has. All right, so give us your keys, right? Keys of the game for TCU to be able to pull off the upset. I think the biggest thing is they got to start fast. I mean, you know, you you, you guys always seem to, and, and you're, you're so – good at big plays and quick strike scores and things of that nature. I think, I think that's the number one thing they've got to do. They got to keep the crowd in the game. And that means they got to have a quick start. I think offensively too, they got to protect Max Duggan. They gave up five, five sacks last week. What uh, Sooners lead the country and tackles for loss. They're going to be coming after him. I think they know that they know that uh, Brent's going to be showing you all kinds of fronts, every game you can name. And so they've got to be prepared for that. And then I think defensively, they just got to keep the ball in front of them. Uh, you know, they can't allow the big play can't allow them to go over the top of them. I think this defense is set up for that, uh, but uh, but we'll find out. So I think those are a couple of things they have to do on Saturday. What are you serving in the suite? You know what? Uh, coming up this Saturday, because it is the 11 o'clock kick, just for you guys, we're bringing in some breakfast burritos. Yes. Oh, yeah. oh. And if there's any other provisions you guys need coming to the city, just let me know. We'll have that for you. I would like a nice bottle of red wine for the way home because <laughs> Teddy's were, driving. So I thought you were a rosé guy with ice cubes in it. That Hey, I, I mean, I guess it will be kind of early. So yeah. I could go for a nice chilled rosé. Brian, I thank like you. It. I like it, man. <laughs> uh, Brian, you're the man. Thank you for the time. We appreciate it. And we'll see you Saturday. Thank you, guys. See you. Man, he's the best. Love that guy. He is... Uh, He's a funny, funny man. I want to know when he said, nope, not going to say that. I really want to know what he was going to say. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe we can ask him whenever we get down there. He's always great. Always has a ton of good food over there in his uh, his booth. His booth is the place to be during the TCU game. It's pretty cool. I, I'm very like jealous. an apartment more than it is a radio booth. Yeah, he is. he's the man there. All right, now it's time to preview some of the best games of week five of college football. But first, it's football time in Oklahoma, people, and there's nothing better to drink at the tailgate than Clubby Seltzers. Clubby Seltzers is an Oklahoma company that is already winning national awards because their product is delicious. It tastes exactly like a club special, but it's a seltzer. They're not just for tailgating either. Perfect to drink on the golf course, by the pool after mowing the lawn, whatever. If you haven't tried Clubby Seltzers yet, go grab some. You won't regret it. The variety pack is out. They've also added some new flavors. They've got a new can. If you want to find a place near you that has clubbies, visit clubbyseltzers.com. And attention, business owners, you need Insurica in your life. Insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout Oklahoma, Texas, and the Southwest. Insurica is able to customize programs by accessing the latest information from many insurance carriers. They compare and contrast coverage offerings and pricing in order to design a cost-effective, comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. Insurica's clients become best-in-class businesses by working with Insurica's team of advisors to manage risk. Purchasing insurance is only one way to protect your business. Best-in-class businesses win by avoiding a loss in the first place. If your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total cost of risk. 
I'm an Insurica client, and you should be too. If your business wants to be best in class, connect with Insurica at Insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A.com. All right, looking at week five, pick three games, biggest ones in college football. Let's start with number seven, Kentucky. Yeah, number seven, Kentucky. Going to number 14, Ole Miss. Ole Miss is currently a six and a half point favorite. This game will be 11 a.m. on ESPN. And I feel like this is going to be an awesome game. I'm I'm very interested to see what the Ole Miss crowd looks like now that Lane Kiffin has called out the crowd in the student section. <laughs> so that'll be interesting. But man, I don't think this one's going to be overly complicated, Ted. And, and sure, Will Levis is he's going to need to make plays for Kentucky, Jackson Dart. Going to need to make plays for Ole Miss. That's obvious, but I feel like this game comes down to who can run the rock. And Ole Miss comes into this one averaging 280 yards rushing per game. They got a nice one-two punch of Judkins and Evans. And really it comes down, can Kentucky's defense, who's been rock solid to this point, Ted, can they hold up? Yes, I think they can. Um, we'll see though. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a big atmosphere. Um, it's kind of funny. Number seven, Kentucky at number 14, Ole Miss. What are we talking about here? This is, this is crazy, but SEC bias. Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, Kentucky's pretty daggum good. Ole Miss, they've looked good so far, but, um, this is going to be by far their biggest test. I like Kentucky. I think Kentucky is a more well-rounded football team than Ole Miss is right now. Um, Ole Miss's offense obviously obviously has it going on, but I like Kentucky. They've got experience at quarterback. They've got a, a rock-solid defense, as you mentioned. So I think Kentucky probably pulls this one off, but I don't know. They've got to be able to slow down that running game. Yeah, and, you know, there's a couple other things with this game. We, we've gotten used to Kentucky's offensive line being a really good group, right? They put a lot of guys in the NFL lately. That offensive line's got to play better, man, because they I, I don't think they've been very good up to this point. And maybe Chris Rodriguez coming back in this game, right? Their star running back, guy that led the SEC in rushing last year. He's back from the suspension in this one. So maybe that's the boost they need. But I know everyone talks about Ole Miss's offense and what they're doing on the ground, but, man, Ole Miss's defense, and I know they haven't exactly played the stoutest competition, but they've been playing pretty solid defense. So I I kind of like Ole Miss in this game because Lane Kiffin called the fans out, like that whole thing. But also, that defense, I mean, they got some athletes on that defense. They played some pretty good ball up to this point. This is a, this is a tough situation that Kentucky's walking into. Yeah, it is. It's. Uh, yeah, I don't really. You're a big Kentucky guy, though. I am. I am. I feel like they're they're kind of more one of the old school football teams. Um, but uh, I don't know. I guess I I don't want to see. I'm not. I, I'm Lane Kiffin is entertaining, but I don't know how much success I'm I'm ready to uh, for him to have like on on a big level. You know. Did you see those helmets they're going to wear? No. It's kind of like almost, I don't know, they're pretty cool. It's like a cloud, almost like blue and white. I don't, I don't even oh. know how to describe it. It's pretty cool, though. Yeah. 
I don't know. I it would not shock me if like if their offense, Ole Miss's offense, continues to roll. Like I think they'll get the win, but I don't know. I feel like Kentucky just more physical. Getting Rodriguez back, you know, ton of experience at quarterback. We'll see though. Should be a great football game. They're shutting the Grove down at like six thirty p.m. after the game. Mm-hmm. I. I can't imagine the fans are going to be happy about that. We'll what's see. The, what's the reasoning behind that? I don't know. Drunken stupidity. Does it usually know. like just continue to go on all well into the night? I I've never been, but I was. I've I've heard. I've heard it's supposed to be like the thing, right? Yeah, yeah. Shutting it down early. Hmm. I. Who knows? All right, next game, number two, Alabama. Goes to number 20, Arkansas. This is the 230 CBS game. Alabama currently a 17 and a half point road favorite. And this game really interests me, Ted. Huge spread. Obviously, uh, I think I expect Arkansas to be a very angry football team. I mean, they've got to be, they've got to be pissed off with how that Texas AM game. Ended up, I mean, that was quite the debacle for them. And remember last year, Arkansas gave Bama all they wanted in Tuscaloosa. Now, I, I'm not expecting Arkansas to win this game, but that spread, I won't lie, it's a little shocking to me. Like, and those guys have to see that and be like, damn, they think we're going to get rolled like that. I know Bama's defense is, is solid against the run, but. Arkansas's running game with Sanders and and what KJ Jefferson can do adding to it, man, it's tough. I mean, it's, it's challenging on defenses, but I think KJ Jefferson, both in the running game and as a passer, bottom line, he's going to be, have to be at his absolute best to make this one interesting. Like he's got to be great for them in this, in this game, Ted. Yeah. Um, no fumbles on the one yard line or wherever that was the three yard line three on yard first line. down. Yeah. That's that's, you can't do that and, and, and beat Alabama. You can't even do that and beat Texas A&M. So yeah, I'm with you. I think, I think Alabama wins, but I think the spread is that's interesting, isn't it? It's a and, huge and, number. Huge number with Bama going on the road. It's going to be a huge atmosphere, wild atmosphere. Um, a team that's that's going to be looking to bounce back. I can't imagine there was any look ahead uh, to this last week from Arkansas, but I don't know. I'm shocked at that line. I think Alabama wins it, but I I don't know. I think there's a, a low percentage chance that they cover the spread, and you know I could be wrong. Maybe they they may go. I don't. Would anyone be surprised if Alabama went blew them out? No, but I don't know. I don't see it happening. The I, I think the point you made about the atmosphere is an interesting one because I would assume Razorback Stadium is going to be absolutely rocking for that game, and we saw like Alabama in Austin, that environment affected them, right? They had all those procedure penalties, the defense. Like, remember, Will Anderson just got so frustrated, he finally lost his mind, like, momentarily. So I'm interested to see how Bama handles that environment. But I feel pretty confident in this. Bryce Young, that Bama offense, 
they are going to shred Arkansas secondary. So Arkansas is going to have to punch back, right? Whether it's, and maybe it's Jaden Hazelwood who ends up being the guy, but they're going to have to make some big time plays in the passing game to keep pace because Bryce Young's probably preparing for this game going, I'm about to throw for 500 on these dudes. What's the, what's Hazelwood's, I haven't even checked in on his stats. How's he doing? Doing well. Right. I think last time I saw it's like 18 catches. Uh, I think he's the second leading receiver. Uh, I've got it pulled up. Yeah. So 18 catches, 214 yards, two touchdowns. Nice. So not, not yeah. bad. Yeah. He's, you know, he leads them in receptions. Right. So, I mean, maybe it's a good decision. Who knows what Levy would have done with him. But I, I think we can all agree we're cheering for the guy. Yep. Totally agree. Okay. Last game, and this is this is probably the game I'm most interested in because it's a Big 12 game. Number nine, Oklahoma State, goes to Waco to take on number 16, Baylor. This game's 2.30 on Fox. Baylor currently a two-point favorite at home. I feel like we're going to find out a lot about Oklahoma State's team in this game. It's their first road trip, first good team they've played. And, you know, one thing that's really working it, it, at their advantage, man, two weeks to prepare, right? Had the bye to get ready for this game. Meanwhile, Baylor was out there battling in names uh, against, a, against a solid Iowa State team, getting that road win. I do think Oklahoma State's going to struggle to run it against Baylor because that defensive front from Baylor, they, they continue to show that, that is not the way to score points on them. Like, I, I I continue to be impressed by that front seven. So, to me, that means Spencer Sanders has to be great. Man, he's got to win this game with his arm. Clearly, he's going to add a lot with his legs, but that's the question. If Spencer Sanders can win it throwing the football, can he do it? And so far, so good for him. Ted, I mean, he's played some really, really good football this season. Yeah, I Baylor's Baylor's tested at this point. You know, they've played yeah. some, oh, some yeah. really tough football games. Uh, obviously, they they do have the one loss, but you know, Oklahoma State's just they've been able to skate. They've had three super easy games. They've had a bye week thrown in there. Just wonder how tested and how ready they actually are for this, but. You know, it's almost been like an extended training camp for Oklahoma State, right? It's been quiet, kind of been behind the scenes, just just grinding away, practicing away. So maybe we see a really sharp, efficient-looking football team. But I, I've got to. I, I think I got to take Baylor. I think it's going to be tight. Um, I'm hoping we see a really good Oklahoma State team, and this is just one of those classic football games. They had a great one last year in the Big Twelve Championship. Um, I think the difference, though, and, and you kind of hit on this, is going to be the running game by Baylor. They haven't been able to hit some big home runs like like they did last year, but it's still an excellent running game, and I think that's going to be the key to the win. Yeah, and Blake Shapin, he's he's going to have to play the way that he did in names, right, for the Bears to win this game. He was really good there, but they ran it well enough, efficiently enough to set up the play action stuff to set up all the boot game. So I think that 
you know, I, I'm interested interested to see what Oklahoma State's defense looks like because I feel like we really still don't know a ton about them. And early in the season, some confusion in the back end of that defense. And, and with everything that Baylor throws at you, right, with all that run action, playing with your eyes, especially at the safety position, like, how does Oklahoma State respond? Like, do they play it well in the back end, or is Baylor able to get some big, deep shots in the passing game? Uh, they're going to have to have them to beat Oklahoma State because I'll say this it's kind of fun watching Oklahoma State play with tempo offensively again. Right? Yeah. I, I feel like it, it feels like. It just it just fits, man. Watching them be methodical and run the football all the time last year, I don't know. It was just weird. Who's the best player in this game? Because <sighs> last year, I feel like we would have had – obviously, they played later in the it, year, I think. I can't remember when their first game was. But, like, we would have had some some really good options and easier options to pick who the best player in the game was. This year, I, that's not nearly as defined. I, I would say I, I'm going to give Spencer Sanders credit. I know we're all waiting for it all to just come crashing down, right, <laughs> with how his career has gone. But he's been really good, man. And then Apu Ika, man, yeah. that dude is a handful at nose for Baylor. Like, he's starting to get some early round NFL draft buzz. Like, he is. He may be Baylor's best player. I well, love Dylan Doyle too, the backer. I like I like Dylan Doyle. Did you see, he, he got another touchdown in Ames. Oh, they wow. threw boot to him. Um, yeah. There's not another player in college football that's really anything like him, you know. Um, and it's going to be hard to get him blocked up at that nose position to get anything going in the running game at all, you know, and that's, it's not just for Oklahoma state. That's for anyone. And if he has a big day, who, who's, who plays center for Oklahoma state? I don't know. I don't remember. It's, it's the guy he's 70. We'll know, we'll know by the end of the, the day on Saturday. No, he's 72. Right. It's that guy. I feel like that guy's been there for like 10 years. Also. Yeah. I feel like his last name's like Wilson or something like, yeah. Preston Wilson, 74. He, he's he's young, but he feels like he's been there for forever. Yeah. So yeah. I give me I, Baylor though. I think being at home is is going to be an advantage for them, and I think it's going to be a tight game though. I expect it to be a really tight game. Yeah, I I think it's going to be. I think it could end up being one of one of the games of the week. Uh, I think it's going to come down to the last couple of drives in the fourth quarter. I'm kind of leaning Baylor's way because of what you said, like. They've been in some battles, right? But the fact that Oklahoma State's going to be fresh, they've had two weeks to prepare. Like, there's also that, man. I, I, I don't know, but I think it's going to be a great football game. You got to remember, and I like Spencer Sanders, but and maybe this isn't the right way to phrase it. Uh, he's a front runner, but he plays really good when he's not under any not pressure like on the field in the pocket pressure, just like atmospheric pressure. Like when they've got a lead and he's comfortable and he doesn't have to press or be too aggressive, he's fine. When he gets into trouble is whenever 
He starts trying to make things happen whenever it's not there. That's whenever he turns the ball over. Nice. I thought we were about to get into a discussion about Pascal's and pressure per square inch. You said atmospheric <laughs> pressure. I was like, dude, this is going back to my science days in college. Let's roll. That was really stupid. I'm sorry. I, I apologize for wasting no. pe- like five seconds of, of people's lives with that comment. I apologize. Love it. All right, let's finish up with our winners and losers of the week. But first. First Fidelity Bank is a full-service financial institution based in Oklahoma with tailored solutions for all your personal and business needs. Checking accounts, saving accounts, home loans, and much more. They do it all. Whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone, everything is stress-free with FFB. Making mobile deposits, paying bills online, and moving money to different accounts could not be easier. First Fidelity Bank provides free ATMs worldwide, making banking convenient wherever you are. They also give back to the community. FFB donates a total of more than $500,000 to local charities and educational foundations. Make your life easier and go bank with First Fidelity Bank. Visit ffb.com for more information. And if you're a whiskey or bourbon drinker, stop what you're doing. Head to your favorite liquor store and buy some Balcones products. You got to grab some of Balcones Lineage Single Malt Whiskey. It was just voted one of the top 20 whiskeys in the world by Whiskey Advocate. And you'll be shocked by how affordable it is. Also, you got to snag some of Balcones Baby Blue Corn Whiskey. It's made from blue corn. That's the fancy corn. And that is why it has won more than 25 awards. Last but certainly not least, you got to buy some of Balcones Pot Still Bourbon. It's big flavors make it the perfect bourbon to drink year-round. Remember in 2012, Balcony Single Malt won the best in glass competition, beating brands like Johnny Walker and McAllen. This stuff is the real deal, people. If you love great whiskey and bourbon at a great price, then Balcony's products are the only way to go. The whiskey may be made in Texas, but the owners, oh yeah, they're from Oklahoma. To find a liquor store that has it, visit balconiesdistilling.com. As always, Ted, kick us off. Who do you have as your winner of the week i had to go with the new york football jets zach wilson is back he's going to be starting this week against the steelers and it could not have come at a better time it's all starting to crash and fall apart there with the jets you know we saw the end of that game quinn williams going after his coach usually a very reserved guy um that you know, was, uh, I mean, he got up and flexed, and like, I was like, oh, it's on. That D-line coach said something that did not make him happy. Yeah, I guess he was – he explained that he was really mad that they continue – like because they had called an all-out blitz and end up giving up a touchdown. He's mad that they continue to blitz. He wants them to put it on their defensive line to put the pressure on the quarterback instead of adding to the blitz and exposing them on the back end. But anything, it was heated, and I, the Jets need a little infusion right now. Hey, I love me some Joe Flacco, but uh, they need to see if the young kid can get out there and spark that offense a little bit, try and get them, uh, get them feeling a little bit better. So, And I'm actually excited to see Zach Wilson. I think he's a, he's, he's a lot better than I thought he was going to be. He's an exciting little football player. Dude. Do you want to hear something that may now it's it's good for the Jets that that Zach Wilson's coming back, right? There's no doubt about it. 
trying to make that guy the face of the franchise, trying to have him develop, like all of that stuff. Uh, I was, I was taking a look at the old injury report earlier today. They put George Fant on IR, their left tackle, which means remember Makai Becton, IR, Fant IR, which means third string left tackle for old Zach Wilson. There's a lot uh, of those that are really good in the NFL. I uh, I did some digging. I believe it will be Connor McDermott, who has been essentially a career backup. Not, not an ideal situation. Now, luckily, TJ Watt, not available for the Pittsburgh Steelers. McDermott is he's not still a rotational three in the NBA. Now he's playing left tackle for the uh I think you're thinking of Doug McDermott, Dougie McBuckets, <laughs> but no. Um, so yeah, great news for the Jets, but also not so great news for Zach Wilson. Ooh. Blindside will be protected by a uh, a third stringer. A lot not of ideal. lot of uh a lot of tight end left uh this week, probably for the Jets. Yeah. We'll see. All right. Who do you have as your loser of the week? Oh, so painful to watch. Sterling Shepard, ACL injury. There's a lot of speculation as to what it was going to be. Like it it was just such under such weird circumstances, but tears the ACL after fighting back from the Achilles the year before. And I, I always say it once you, once you cut the body, there's, it, it all kind of starts to crumble, you know, the, the way that you, you're, 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 I don't know. Anytime you start to mess with your gait and change the dynamics of how your body moves, like you're prone to some, some other injuries in the way that it happened, that just made me, it looked like it was, it was something that was linked to something else, by the way, he's just kind of jogging out there and, and popped his ACL. I hate that for him. Luckily he's under a great contract. Yeah. No, um, and he's he's had a fantastic career. He's just he's battled injuries, man. He had the concussion stuff. He's had several other things, but the Achilles, the ACL, that back-to-back, I mean, it's just brutal, right? I mean, mm-hmm. Call Clay Thompson. Yeah. Figure out, because that's that's tough on you mentally, right? I mean, there there's no doubt. So, yeah, I reached out to him, told him I love him. Um, and it's just it's just a bummer because he's one of the good guys in the league, right? Always fun to be around like a bunch of guys respect him. It's the longest tenured player in that organization now, which is crazy to think about. It is, but it is. Yeah. And we'll, we'll see where it goes from here, but uh, cause it's such a long journey back from the Achilles and I've never had the Achilles, but the ACL man, it's, Coming all the way back from it, it's not fun. And to have to do those back-to-back, man, that takes takes a toll on you mentally. It takes a toll on you mentally. Obviously, it takes a toll on you physically. Um, you just said it. He's the longest-tenured player there. He's no spring chicken anymore, which is crazy to think about. He's also their leading wide receiver. Yeah. I mean, Kenny Galladay, I don't know what the hell has happened to that guy, but, I mean, Sterling leads him in receiving yards. Yep. So it's a big loss for the team. Like, obviously, we're bummed because, you know, we know him. He's an OU guy. Like, he's awesome. But it's also a big blow for that football team. Yeah. 
Kenny Galladay's got a big old paycheck too. Um, but hey, um, I hope Sterling comes back. It's tough, like to 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 be off that long from from playing football is really hard to come back from. You know, yeah. Forget the I... forget the uh, the physical limitations and the injuries and stuff. Just being away from live action for as long as he has been, and just have a li- limited amount, and then right back you know, out is, is tough. Yeah. I we'll see where it goes from here, but I, I know that, you know, all OU fans have his back and, you know, if he's able to come back, I'll be rooting for him again, but it's, it's a long road, but we love you, Sterling. You're the man. All right, let's get to my winner and loser for my winner of the week. Thought about going with miles Garrett. Whoa. Did you see that Porsche? Yeah. First of all, I know you're a big car guy. So yeah. was your initial reaction once you found out Miles Garrett was okay? Were you like, not the car? Well, yeah, kinda. Uh, and I love that car. My my first reaction is I I guess he said he was swerving to miss an animal, which that's the best car you can be in to swerve to miss an animal and maintain control. All right. That Correct. is the one. <laughs> so I was kind of shocked by that. And I don't know, man, that was uh, that's crazy. You're right though. The fact that he got out of that fairly, um, you know, unscathed by the way that it looked. Wow. Pretty, pretty, pretty lucky. Yeah. I mean, he suffered a shoulder sprain a bicep strain, a couple cuts and bruises, but him, uh, the woman in the car with him, both all right, which is, I mean, when you see the car, you're just like, and you hear that it's flipping and like all that stuff. It's just such a scary situation and a great reminder, people, wear your seatbelt. And that is something that I learned so young in life because my dad would not put the car in drive, still doesn't do it. Still to this day, won't do it. You, everyone in the car has to be buckled up before Jim Eichard puts the car in drive. It's to me, it's a, it's such like, it's, it's something that I don't even think about anymore. It's just part of like the muscle memory of whenever you get into a car. Like it's just like a, an automatic thing for me. Like I, I don't even, it's not even a, de- I guess it's not even a decision that I even have to encounter every day. It's something that just, just happens. Yeah. No buckle your seatbelt. People wear that thing. All right. I also thought about going with the Brooklyn nets, Ted, everything's solved for the nets. Steve Nash, they have media day, right? NBA training camps have started. Steve Nash said him and Kevin Durant talked about Kevin Durant, trying to get him fired. <laughs> Said, hey, man, we're all good. Now we had the conversation. Glad that's all settled because that's totally how it works. Yeah, it's all good until about six games in, and then then we start to hear some rumors of something. It's just such a mess. My, my favorite quote from Steve Nash's media day availability, he said, you know, you know, families have issues. We had a moment, and it's behind us. The, I don't know about you, but like if one family member tries to kill another, <laughs> it doesn't just like, it's just not all good. You know, I, I, I don't know if that's a great comparison, but I just, I saw that and I was like, um, if 
my brother tried to get me fired from my job. I I don't know if we'd be all good. I it, it would take some time. It's all good until you get everyone back in the same room together for like 10 hours or 12 hours a day, right? And then then it all starts to rub each other wrong again and it's only a matter of time before the powder keg goes off. Yeah. We'll see. I I continue to think that the Brooklyn Nets is the dramatic situation, the gift that we'll keep on giving. So I can't wait, cannot wait to monitor them during the season. They need to just go ahead and do a week-by-week series. Like, just put it together on Netflix or whatever it is behind the scenes. Make it into into its own little drama. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Speaking of drama, my winner of the week, the U.S. men's national team. Yeah, we're talking a little soccer here, Ted. Okay. And some people may say, uh, things have not been going well. How are they your winner of the week? That's the exact point because I feel I, I've been concerned, and we've talked about this a couple of times, like when America's doing something, I'm rooting, man. There's no doubt about it. And even though the World Cup's coming up in November, like, I was a little concerned that I would be emotionally invested because a couple months ago, vibes were strong for the U.S. men's national team. Well, not so much anymore. So I feel like they're my winner of the week because I feel like I don't have to be as emotionally invested anymore because they're not going to do any damage in the World Cup. Does that make sense? It makes sense now, but if they win that that first game in their group, everyone's going to dive right back in. You know, they beat Wales. That's just how it goes. Is that who they, is that their first? I think so. I think they, I I think their first match is against Wales in Qatar. We'll, we'll see, but I, you, you want to, you want to be carrying momentum into the preparation for the world cup, right? Well, they got shut out in their final two dress rehearsal games against Japan and Saudi Arabia. So, the the vibes were good and now the vibes are 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 not great and you saw it what Gio Reyna I watched uh, I watched the uh the Saudi Arabia match Reyna goes out with the hammy this is a guy that's had a ton of hammy issues little hammy tweak not ideal uh Christian Pulisic is probably the only soccer player a lot of people know here in America I don't know he's getting a little sassy little yeah. sassy uh, maybe a little too big for his britches. I just, I don't know. I feel like, I feel like the U S men's national team's kind of down in the dumps when you were really hoping that the vibes would be high carrying you into the world cup. Does it appear that way? And I feel like that frees me up to care less. Yeah. Well, I think you're right, but you know, if they beat Wales, you'll be right back in and they should, if they can't beat a country with the population uh, smaller than the state of Oklahoma, they've got problems. It's a good point. It's a good point. But I think I'm going to be a little, uh, probably more of a casual viewer now with my expectations, very low for the men's national team heading into November. We'll see. Maybe, maybe they suck me back in. Right. But we will, uh, we'll see. All right. For my loser, of the week, man, the Phoenix Suns. I that that situation is is very very interesting. So 
you've got the Robert Sarver situation, right? He's trying to sell the team. The stuff that he said in the past just seems like an absolute scumbag. So you've got that as a distraction going on. But then they had media day and DeAndre Ayton said he hasn't talked to head coach Monty Williams since Monty benched him in the game seven loss in the playoffs to the Mavs. Like they have not spoken to each other, which does not seem healthy. Wow. No, <laughs> no. Yeah. I mean, you're not on a football team with 105 guys. Uh, you're on a small little NBA roster. That's crazy. I, I saw some, that does not seem like a Monty Williams. Like that's I, weird. He's like the most engaging and that's, yeah, that's fascinating. I, I saw some quotes from him and it was like, I just wanted to give the guy space in the off season. And I was like, listen, man, like you gotta say something like there's gotta be. And remember, uh, Aiden was going to be out the door, but they ended up matching that massive contract. Mm-hmm. for him so i mean he's locked in there now i you can trade him and uh, i know I'm, I'm not sure how what the restrictions are on that on his contract all the nba rules are there's a lot going on yeah. there but i found that very odd ted yeah I, completely odd I, that's that's one of the wildest things that i've ever heard of like since he benched him in game seven like so that does, does that mean he didn't talk to him after game seven they didn't have an exit interview. They didn't do anything. Just like, <laughs> that's crazy, man. Yeah. I, I don't know. Uh, also thought about going and I, I'm not paying close attention to Miami Marlins baseball right now, but I saw it on sports center. Do you see that picture that had three box in one inning? I did. What was that? What Blyer? I think yeah. is his name. I'm, I'm, I, I can't believe that he didn't lose his mind more than what he he did. And Mattingly coming out there. I I, I guess maybe technically that's a balk, but that that's crazy to call it three times on him like that in one inning. That's it, just nuts. I don't know if you've watched the Tim Donahue thing, the the ref that fixed gate or tried to fix games, the official. Yeah the NBA official, it kind of felt like that. It's like, all right, how much, how much money does this umpire have on the Marlins losing? Like that's how it felt. Uh, Yeah. It's weird though. Like if that was the case, like once you, when you call it once, it's like, okay, that could happen. And he was pissed that you even called it once twice that quickly on someone like you're, instantly you're drawing a bunch of attention to yourself right in the game on on what is like a kind of a judgment type of call but to do it three times i that that's like you directly inserting yourself into the game making a big time call over something that like if they were complaining about it and maybe they were i don't know but that that was wild that was that was really wild the mets announcer was like i've never in my life See, like he's just like I've never seen this. Yeah, uh, none of us have. It was wild. My loser of the week, however, and I'm sorry, man. The New England Patriots, mm. Mac Jones, severe ankle sprain, could possibly need surgery. Definitely going to miss multiple games. Y'all good, man? 
Everything yeah. okay? Hoyer in Hoyer, we trust. You think they're going to go with Hoyer? I don't know. Why? Why not throw Bailey Zappi out there? See what the young guys got. Come on, throw him out it's there. A, such a weird name, and uh, I just I don't know that I can get behind it. He threw it all over the yard last year for Western Kentucky. Did it at Houston Baptist. Remember, they almost beat Tech a couple of years back. I just let the young guy get out there and throw okay. it around because yeah, you never know. You know what you got in Hoyer. Maybe a hit on something with the uh, the Zappy kid. Okay, that's fine. Yeah, air it well, out. First of all, your Patriots are not winning anything this season. What that do you mean? Not, that's not a very good football team, man. Come on. It's early. It's early. Uh, I did. I did find this little nugget. Brian Hoyer has lost eleven consecutive starts. <laughs> Which, okay. as you can imagine, is a record for active players. Okay, put Bailey in. <laughs> it's just I. It's a hard name for me to like to get behind. You, you don't, you don't imagine a guy named Bailey Zappi out there just slinging it against the Packers at Lambeau this weekend. No, uh, it could happen. I mean, he's he he obviously can can play but man can we call him something else what's his middle name i do not know let's what happens if it's like tim would you prefer <laughs> tim zappy yeah yes i would i would prefer we'll call tim him tim over, from now on tim it makes Bailey. no sense but things could get real depressing for you but uh, packers at lambo then it goes lions browns bears jets and colts if they're losing to those teams, you are not going to be in a good place. Yeah. It's like, we're going to really find out where we sit in the pecking order of the league. Now, whenever you play the lions, Browns, bears, jets, and Colts in a row. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm, I'm rooting for you, man, but it's not looking good. Okay. Episode two fifty three in the books. We'll have a new podcast. It'll drop Monday. Obviously we'll be recapping. OUTCU. Just a reminder, you can hear Teddy from three to six on 94.7 The Ref. You can hear me from two to five on SiriusXM Big 12 Radio Channel 375. Hope you all have a great rest of your week. Have an awesome weekend. And until next time, we appreciate y'all. Damn it, I messed it up. What just happened there? (laughs) Until next time, (laughs) we appreciate y'all for listening. Do what you always do, folks. Take care of each other. Just one more